before we go any further, I need to take a moment to let you in on a black owned business that is Cocoa and Seed, spelled C-O-C-O and Seed. It is the place to get nature inspired home and garden products for the plant lover in your life. Me, I don't know if you were looking for somebody, I'm one. At Cocoa and Seed, you can find personalized enamel camping mugs with these really dope Monstera leaves on there and you can personalize those things. You can personalize the mugs. Hey, indoor garden kits like this um, hydroponic microgreens planter, um, my fave. I grew some really cute spicy radish microgreens in those in 10 days. That is literally nature's fast food. All of this is with a worry-free guarantee. There's cute journal stickers with amethyst crystals on there, all kind of stuff, including propagation tubes and these adorable wire stands. You got to get on the website. I'll take you there. Products are carefully crafted, sourced, and packaged with eco-friendly and sustainable materials because we care about the earth, right? So stop what you're doing unless you're driving, if you can, but... If you're not driving, stop what you're doing. Click the link in the show description. This is what's going to happen. You're going to get to my affiliate link so that you can support the podcast and get 10% off. So stop what you're doing. Go in the show description. Click that link. If you're on Instagram, click the link in the bio. Take you to the website. Get your discount. Support Black Business. Support Black in the Garden. And we appreciate you for that. What's up, y'all? We black in the garden. Hey, how y'all doing on this fantastic February 2020, aka Black History Month? And you are definitely in the right place as a black planty, plant keeper, botanical brother, soil sister, planty peeps. It is about to go down. Shout out to the new followers, new listeners of the podcast, Black in the Garden is the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. I, Cola B. Talkin', am your hostess with the mostest, and I'm just here to guide you. I am here to make sure that you are safe and well and properly hydrated at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. All right? So uh, we're going to start with our Kwanzaa principle of the week. And we do a Kwanzaa principle on a weekly basis because we're not just going to let Kwanzaa be contained in this one week at the end of December, when really we do need to be mindful of all of these principles on an ongoing basis as a people. It's just necessary. Okay. So Kumba, which is creativity, is our Kwanzaa principle of the week. We need to find new and innovative ways to leave communities of African descent in more beautiful and beneficial ways than the community that was inherited. And who better to celebrate in the spirit of Kumba than the goat, the botanical brother, George Washington Carver. And we are getting right into that in just a hot minute. 
But once again, let me let you know, so excited that you're here. And it's important that we, I know what y'all thinking, oh, it's Black History Month, George Washington Carver. Okay, okay. But we're going to get into some little known facts. We're going to get into some of the stuff that they just were not teaching you in school. And it's cool. We're going to get into that with a very special botanical brother who is also a botanist, a modern day botanist, the crazy botanist. We're getting there. Let me tell you what I observed recently. It was actually in January. I was listening to a podcast where the subject of regenerative agriculture came up. Uh, they were talking about, you know, how we need to get our soil right, how we need to get our soil together. Those of us who are doing things with the soil, which I would assume is all of us. I understand some of our listeners for Black History Month are tuning in to get the tea on the Black history figures. And that's all good. We welcome you. But for those of us who are really into our soil, into regenerative agriculture, you may or may not know, but we're going to talk about how George Washington Carver was a huge advocate for that, for organic gardening and sustainable regenerative agriculture. I was listening to a non-Black podcast. They spoke on that, but what they did not mention or who they did not mention was George Washington Carver. And yeah, I got frustrated. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, that's a big part of the reason why we're doing this podcast right now. That's why you're listening to this podcast is because you understand that the contributions of our ancestors are very important. Not just important, but the contributions of our the agrarian, horticultural, agricultural contributions of our ancestors are not to be overlooked. That's what's most importantly Okay, we don't always have to get the grammar on point. Okay, what's most importantly, when I was listening to that particular podcast where they were talking about soil, I was like, so y'all just not going, y'all not going to say nothing about GWC? Y'all not going to mention George Washington Carver? Oh, okay. Well, we're going to talk about him on Black in the Garden. All right? So you're in the right place. I am going to calm down. <laughs> and I also wanted to mention... You know, there are so many of our Black history figures where we celebrate our birthday. But fun fact, not necessarily fun, but a fact about George Washington Carver before we dip into this two-part interview is that we don't celebrate George Washington Carver's birthday because the, his date of birth was unknown. His origin story is actually pretty interesting. Um, even a bit tragic, but you know, I'm not going to spoil it for you. So without further ado, we're going to get into this interview. We're going to kick off Black History Month. That's right. February 2020 with a botanical brother speaking on, conversing about the GOAT, botanical brother, George Washington Carver. Hey y'all, hey soil cousins, I need to have a word with you. This is a public service announcement about voting because we all need to do it, all right? So we know this is a, a election year, all right? There's a It's a presidential election, but we need to be mindful of a couple specific things. 
there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. All right. So what you need to do is go to ballot ready. That's B-A-L-L-O-T-R-E-A-D-Y.org for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. You can see the whole thing. You need to know what's on there so you don't get in the booth looking cray or just being completely uninformed and leaving some parts blank. Leaving it blank, yo, that's just an opportunity for evil to prevail. And the last thing we need is for evil doing that. So from there on the Ballot Ready site, you can compare your candidates based on their stances on issues, biography or endorsements, and then you can save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. We have options. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote because we need a plan early on or on election day. This election matters. So make sure that you have a plan to vote so that you can vote informed, y'all. And I want to make sure that you understand that it is, you might be unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. That's really what I'm talking to you about. Like, I, I want you to consider that. We know you probably have already kind of made up your mind about who you want to vote for for president. That's your business. But if you are unfamiliar with some of the more local positions, positions, we recommend hosting a ballot party. All right. We can, we can, you know, make it a little bit fun. Get together with your friends over Zoom. Split up the research, you guys, you know, go through your ballots together so that we can be informed about these local positions that matter so much. They control things like who to prosecute and they're monitoring the quality of our drinking water and even the access to some of the spaces that we want to use for community gardening. You know, there's so many things and changes that have happened with polling places and such as a result of COVID. So we just want to make sure, well, I just want to make sure with this public service announcement that my soil cousins are prepared. Go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Black in the Garden family and fellow members of the Black delegation, I'm very pleased to introduce you to one of my most enthusiastic supporters. He just so happens to be a modern day black botanist and he's here to speak with us today on the botanical legacy of the goat, the greatest of all time in the botanical game, George Washington Carver. Join me in welcoming Derek to the podcast. Hey. So Derek, how are you? I am fantastic, Cola. How are you? I am well. I'm so excited to be able to do this episode with you because, you know, we've been talking for a while about what are we going to do? How are we going to honor the ancestors and stuff? And we finally figured out that we were just thinking about it way too hard. And we just needed to have a very informational conversation and let the masses know. But first, Derek, tell us about you and how you became a crazy botanist. Hmm, let's see. I've always been crazy, but the botanist part took a little time. Um, <laughs> I am Derek Haynes of Newburn, North Carolina, and I have always had an affinity for plant life. When it comes to being the crazy botanist, that um, title 
came to me out of frustration with dealing with folks who are used to traditional methods of growing. And sometimes my different ways can be a little disconcerting to the older generation, but it works mm-hmm. and it gets the results I need. So um, that's kind of where that came from. And I really made it into a thing to show people, you know, the the true wild side of botany. Sometimes I'm a little tame. Sometimes I'm a little off. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you do that are considered like um, non-traditional or just out of box that, you know, lend to that crazy? Let's see. Um, as an African-American person in today's world, it, it's not very Negroid, if I may use that term, I will, to make kombucha um, or even I ferment my own sodas. So I, I drink kombucha, I make kombucha, I make, I grow my own loofahs, I'm a gardener, I paint my own pots. I do a lot of things that may not be seen as um, sane and regular. Um, you've seen me today painting a pot and working on that. You, I again grow loofahs, but the main thing is, you know, here in my own house, I ferment drinks and sodas like, you know, most people just wouldn't think that's possible. So that's one of the biggest things I do. Um, and yeah. One of the other things I've done is like the square foot garden method with a raised bed. A lot of people just were perplexed by that. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a tip of the iceberg, the crazy botanist iceberg. Yeah. Top. Oh my God. Yeah, I can. You're talking about fermented drinks. Isn't wine a fermented drink? Yes. Okay, so people drink wine all the time. Is beer a fermented drink, technically, kind of? Yeah, oh, exactly. It is. Okay, so kombucha, beer, wine, like semantics, right? So, in that sense, it's like people just be tripping when they hear this whole crazy sound of kombucha, but you're not. I mean, you you crazy in your own that away from you. But to those who are opposed to kombucha, I would just be like, listen, if you're drinking the wines and the beers and the things, then you're not that opposed to fermented drinks. So calm down. Hey, so, <laughs> so you, know, you drink have, what, if you drink what's that? You're drinking a fermented drink. If you drink what? Coffee. Really? The way they prepare coffee beans is technically by fermenting them. So like some wow. coffee types are, are fermented, if I remember right. Wow. Okay. Educate the masses. That's what time it is. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, no, we are here to have this conversation about our beloved ancestor, George Washington Carver. Mm-hmm. And so I know you know a lot about him. I've done some research and I am just, I'm just over the moon about everything that I found. Tell me, tell us about how George Washington Carver's influence has played a part in you getting to where you are and pursuing your, your botanical quest for, you know, becoming a botanist. Botanist. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, A lot of us, blacks, whites, whomever, 
we grow up doing these Black History Month book reports and you read this one book and you do things on Sir John O'Toole, Martin Luther King and George Washington Carver. And a lot of people focus on him being the peanut man and he had all these uses for peanuts. And to be honest, he was the only Black botanical person I could even reference when talking to my yeah. about my desire to be a botanist because the question was always, well, what Black people do this, you know? Um, and I understand the reasoning why they had that mindset. He, to me, especially as I've researched him now and understand his legacy now, was total goals, to use today's terminology. So, so what he means to me is, and what he represents to me is food insecurities, agricultural knowledge, wealth building, knowledge building, and just general swag. And I say all that to say Sir George Washington Carver literally broke a lot of barriers within the agricultural world, the botanical and horticultural world, by often being the first black person to, you know, be entered into a program, to be allowed to be in faculty, having these awesome dissertations, and just being that man so he, he that is, dude really is <laughs> and again we we often just you know minimize him to the peanut man but it's so much more to it than that that's so limiting oh my god that is extremely limiting because george washington carver was definitely he was the first to do several things. He was just out here busting open all the milestones. Um, he was the first to bring science studies to the Tuskegee University. And this is uh, information that was stated by uh, Dean of Agricultural Science, Sciences, Dr. Walter A. Hill. Uh, I'm just going, I'm just dipping into my research, okay? Because I want to make sure that we are factual yes. about this. But um, he was the... Um, first African-American to enroll in what is the today the Iowa State University. Mm -hmm. And then after, you know, getting his botanical stuff all in a row, he went on to become the first, the school's first African-American faculty yeah. member. The very same school. Just like, boom, boom, I'm in here. Most deaf. And I think, again, we we negate those things because we, we use the peanut <laughs> to just, you know, again, limit this man to, you know, like he's Mr. Peanut and he's selling all the nuts in the world. But you are definitely ah. right. He, he was that dude. And I think the best way I can say it is this. His, his impact directly influenced Percy Julian. I always mix the name up. He's a Julian Percy Percy. Lord, I don't plug this whole computer. There we go. Percy Julian. No. It's okay. It came back. To me. <laughs> I was like, the devil, the devil done jumped in this computer, Jesus. Um, Percy Julian yeah. is, <laughs> is a um, chemist who was inspired and I believe trained under George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver basically helped to fight to get the peanut to be a cash crop here in essence in the yeah. United States and helped to save farmers who were losing money after the boll weevil took out the cotton you know industry for the most part 
he yes. which is saying something that a black man went to save farmers, I'm sure black and white alike, who were profiting off of a plant that is the reason that black people are here, because that plant is the reason that we all moved over. We were stolen, really, not moved. Stolen and forcibly over the atrocities that we went through was then rectified by a black man finding another crop and fighting to save people's land, money, their their security. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was one of the points that I was going to get to. Uh, I came across in my research that uh, George Washington Carver helped to save the economy of the South. And he was able to do so with uh, the technique that we now know as regenerative agriculture. And the, yeah, the boll weevil destroyed the cotton crop. And of course, you know, when you start talking about cotton, black people will <laughs> be like, okay. Tense up. We start getting a little thick. Yeah. But um, his, his farming methods were just so innovative. The peanut, it wasn't so much about the peanut, but of course there were other crops that he was very masterful at um, creating uses for. And we're gonna get to that. Mm -hmm. But as far as the innovative farming method, um, what was happening was there was tobacco and there was cotton, right? And they were growing it so much that they had depleted the soil mm -hmm. of the nutrients. So eventually the there was just nothing like you couldn't do anything else with that soil. And are you, you've got to be familiar with the term monoculture, right? Of course. Okay. So tell us about monoculture and what that is and why that can be bad and how that impacted or why that was a thing that he helped to help them to fix. Okay. So here's the thing. So let's pretend that you are a superhero and you have a power that can defeat one type of villain and you can defeat this villain as many times as you want and you will always win. If mm -hmm. I surround you with a million of these villains, you, you know that you would win because it doesn't matter how many of them there are. They can never beat you yeah. and you will always win. Now, monoculture is the same thing. Mono meaning one, culture meaning, you know, what are we cultivating or growing? So in fields of corn and or in, in masses of corn, everybody's growing corn, everybody's growing your tobacco, you got to go out there and crop your tobacco, everyone is growing cotton, everyone is growing these things that we often need to eat or survive in some way, shape or form, that allows for a higher incidence of pests to just come and just wipe everybody out and diseases mm. to come and wipe everybody out. And we often have to think back in the times where George Washington Carver was, you know, living and active, we did not have as big of an understanding as we had of what's called plant pathology, where we know how diseases and pests and everything move around. So we as human beings were just effing up the world anyway, just taking things from here and there. I mean, it's just the only way to put it. We were taking things from here and there, wanton, doing more than we should have been doing, trying to outsmart the books. And the next thing you know, bingo bongo, things are being taken out. Because again, we're, we're growing all of those same types. Now, to go even further to um, Carver's regenerative um, methods that you mentioned, which again, your beautiful research here. 
his methods, he was one of the first, if not the first person to be a proponent for organic gardening and organic, you know, methods of fertilization. Yeah. Not using chemical fertilizers, but using things that are naturally sourced. He was the person that was to, to um, if I remember right, to suggest the method of crop rotation. And that again goes back into your monoculture mindset. If I change the, the beings that you're around, if I switch these plants out and I rotate it and you don't see the same plants, but every two or three years, even four years, then that changes my incidence of diseases and nutrient deficiencies and all of that other stuff that doesn't help farmers make money. And farmers already have enough hell to go through without it being like, oh, yeah. all my crops are gone. Like, what are you going to do? You got to switch it up. You can't just keep growing the same thing in the same place. That was such a cool analogy that you made with the supervillains because it's like, if I had a superpower that allowed me to only defeat one villain, then what am I going to do with all the other villains that come through and that's trying to take me out? <laughs> I'm not going to, I don't have the range. <laughs> exactly. You're going to have to call. So, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to switch it up. We're going to have to put the Justice League in the building. <laughs> um, okay. So I did want to go back. I mean, we're getting really nerdy right now and that's fine because, you know, black people can be nerds as well. We're just, you know, we are not a monolith. Yeah. We are not a monolith and representation matters. Ooh. So this is something that when I read it, I was bugging out. Okay. So I want to go back to the origin story while we're talking about, you know, superheroes and things of George Washington Carver. And okay. So I'm not sure if you know this, but just rock with me. Okay. So George Washington Carver before he was born, unfortunately, his father died in an accident. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the odds were starting to stack up against him before he even came into the world. Mm-hmm. And as an infant, George Washington Carver and his mother, um, he was born in uh, Diamond, Missouri, in a, on a farm somewhere in that area. They don't know the exact year that he was born. They estimate 1864. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when he was an infant, him and his mom, now can you just imagine, right, you're this pregnant woman, or not pregnant woman, but you're, you have this infant, and your baby daddy done been killed in a car accident, and now you're being kidnapped by slave raiders. Mm-hmm. Slave raiders. They were kidnapped by slave raiders, and they were... George Washington Carver was actually found, but his mother was not found. So baby Carver was returned to the farm and his mother was never heard from again. Mm. That blew me. Were you aware of that fact? I think I've heard something or read something about that um, and that he was trained to read and write by white people who kind of gave him his love of, or helped him to unearth his love of, of education but it seemed right. like, yes, they, um, and I can't remember, they gave him some quote that he used about learning and education and I shared on my page and I, I oh. much that I couldn't remember what it is <laughs> because it was great. But, um, we need, to yeah, well, it turns out that he was orphaned at a young age and he was raised by the couple 
that had formerly owned his mother. So it was basically like the plantation owners, the slave owners, they ended up raising him. And um, he ended up getting into gardening. As it turns out, he was was kind of a sickly child, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was frail and he wasn't able to keep up with the rigorous labor of working the land. And so he was in the house and he was doing like household chores and gardening. So he started gardening as a child and obviously that really took hold of him. So that's how we get into how he got really, you know, obviously obsessed by plants. And I think that's a big thing to to mention. I know for me, a love of plants started early. Like I have always been enamored with this world of green, but Mm -hmm. to, to know that he also had that at a young age, you know, also being the plant doctor and yeah. he's having to deal with this in the backdrop of slavery. You know, it's not right. song and dance. It's not something dramatized. It was a, a horrendous institution. It of course. astounds me. Yeah, he was actually born like about a year before slavery was abolished. And that that couldn't have been an easy time because it's not like as soon as, you know, slavery was abolished that everything was all good. Like, obviously not. It, it just didn't go down like that. And, um, you know, he just, that gardening got a hold of him, that, that plant life. <laughs> he just, he could not let that go. And um, he, he started schooling at the age of 12, and I'm reading this from agriculture.mo.gov, and I'll put the link in the show notes. And um, so he he went to a one-room schoolhouse in Southwest Missouri, and after attending high school in Kansas, he was accepted as the first Black student to Simpson College in Indianola, Iowa. And um, yeah, so he just, you know, he was once he got on, the, it started with that love of gardening. And then he, he got started with, you know, education. And it was like, you could not stop him. You just could not stop him. And I did remember reading somewhere that he, he had applied to a school and they thought that he was black. No, they thought that he was white. And when they found out he was black, they were like, nah. You can't come here. And I was trying to see where I where I read that at because I thought that I put that in my notes. But wow, 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 wow. So with that in mind, the fact that, you know, that was an experience that he had where he was rejected from the school. Thinking back to your time as a black botanist when you were in school, how do you how do you feel like you can relate to that kind of experience? Hmm. In my classes at NC State, I often felt like, and I'm, I'd have to really look to, to be sure, but I really feel like I was the only Black actual botanist. Like, even in my botany classes, it was often where <laughs> there were Black people in the class where they were med school majors or other, you know, different biological majors or nothing to do with biology. They just took plain biology just because. So to be mm-hmm. a Black botanist, and to go through schooling, and schooling was not, you know, easy for me at NC State. It 
it really touches me to know that there were times that he were he was rejected for being black and to go even deeper if i may in the field in the science technology education and math field where we all are working as whatever we are in that science field in this botany field i am hard pressed to meet other black botanists i've met people who are forestry I've met people who are agriculturalists. I've met people, farmers and agronomists. But even in my search on Instagram, I found few actual botanist people who are black. And I'm not, I have a couple of ideas why, but I know that in my past, I feel like I have been overlooked or undercut because of my blackness but I also know that there are some experiences that I really got to have due to just the the people that I knew and how that helped me out hmm word okay so yeah that wow I'm sorry that you had to have those experiences that were you know not so positive but Perseverance is very important, and you you pressed on, and you went ahead, and you got your degree, and you are today this who I'm speaking with to be able to have this conversation about this, you know, this renowned pioneer of botany. You know, well, not pioneer, I guess, but you know, a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a pretty big deal. And okay, so I found I found the information. It says that. He was initially accepted at an all-white college. Yes, Highland. I was, thank you, yes. And yeah, he was later rejected when the administration learned that he was black. So that is so, that's so shady, but it's like, dang, I was good enough on paper. But then when I showed up in all my blackness, he was like, nah, nah, you can't come in here. So Derek, yes. crazy botanist. Yes. Tell us where we can find you. What's your Instagram? What's your Twitter? What's your YouTube? How do we find you? Now, my Twitter is private, so y'all ain't going to hear that. But what I'm going to say, <laughs> what I'm going <laughs> to say is this. So if you are looking for me and you are trying to find me, you go to the Instagram, right? You type in Anacle, yeah. period, Highlander. Okay. A lot of people are saying period mm-hmm. nowadays. Something, some new logo. Yeah. So botanical b o t a n i c a l dot Highlander, like the movie from the nineties. There can only be one, and uh, I love it. Tis I the crazy botanist. You can also look me up on Facebook as the crazy botanist. My website is thecrazybotanist.com. dot com, and I am now on YouTube. I often have to remind myself I am. If you look for the crazy botanist, yes. you can see me there. Subscribe. I. I'm throwing all of my videos slowly but surely that are long and irrelevant onto my YouTube. So please join me there. That you is. I was watching last night and just very relaxing, talking about your kombucha and just out there in North Carolina living your life. <laughs> so um yeah, y'all y'all can get a more visual and and, and immersive experience of the botanical highlander the crazy botanist that way thank you so much derek for 
participating in this conversation with me sharing with us being Black excellence as a Black botanist. And I would like to wish you love, light, and soil. And this concludes part one on the two-part series, George Washington Carver the Goat. He's already overcome some really high odds stacked up against him. Already saved the economy of the South and busted open several milestones. Remarkable, remarkable. That is why he's the greatest of all time in the botanical game. And I encourage you to share this with your friends, your, 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 the future leaders who just need a bit of encouragement, could possibly be in need of encouragement. You know, representation matters so much. I appreciate you so much for listening. I appreciate you for sharing, for subscribing, for following, for leaving those good reviews on the Apple podcast. That's where you can leave your reviews. And, um, Your support goes a long way. Your support really is taking this thing very far. Be sure to tune in here in the next couple few days. We're not even going to wait until next week. We're just going to go ahead and drop part two of George Washington Carver the Goat. And your support, as I said, so important, so vital, so crucial. So now you have another way to throw that support in there via Patreon. That's right, y'all. Black in the Garden got a Patreon, and now you can become a patron and give us a bit of financial support. Because you got it, right? You don't got it, don't worry about it. We are happy to have any support that you can give. So the link is in the bio of my Instagram. The link is also in the show notes. It's very simple, patreon.com forward slash Black in the Garden to go ahead and get in on them tears. Listen, you're going to get access to some exclusive content. You're going to get access to some podcast previews, a little advanced exclusive access. You know what I'm saying? We got to make it sweet for you. I'm not just going to be like, hey, let me get a dollar. And then you don't get nothing for it. You understand. So we're going to be getting some swag. We're going to be getting some seeds, all kind of stuff. Actually, you get to contribute to how we're going to go about figuring out what we're going to be doing all here together. But you definitely will be incentivized for your support because you should be. And we appreciate you so much. Black in the Garden, that handle, at. Put an at in front of the handle, right? Okay. On the Twitter, on the Instagram, at Black in the Garden. Boom. Also send me an email to blackinthegarden at gmail.com in case you want to contribute any kind of uh, information, any kind of feedback. You know, if you, if we left something out, if there was something that you found a bit of a question with, go ahead and let me know, child. I'm not too good. I'm not above reproach. All right. So this is Cola B talking here. Anything that I did not bring up just take a look at the show notes. You know, I take my good and sweet time to actually craft all that up for your enjoyment. And uh, I appreciate you for taking note of that. 
So everything that you need is in the show notes. If your hands are busy right now, it's cool. I appreciate you lending me your ears. And thank you so much. I want to wish you all love, light, and soil.